Wake Up with Patty Catter. I love the show. I never miss an episode. It's the best. I turn it on and turn it up. Hello, everybody. You're listening to and watching Wake Up with Patty Catter. Today, I have a U.S. Army veteran on the show with me, Daniel Newberry. Welcome to the show, Dan. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. So one of the things that intrigued me the most about you is you were responding to some of my posts on social media about military veterans who are having a hard time transitioning to civilian life. And I started getting into your profile a little bit more snooping with my ninja style (laughs) tactics on Facebook. And I noticed that um, at one point you were almost homeless after your service time. And so that was intriguing to me. Unfortunately, it's not that uncommon, Um, but we got talking back and forth and I was like, I want you on my show. I just don't know what we want to talk about. And the more we talked and the more we were conversing, it just so ended up to be that um, the week that your show comes out, it's a nationally federal, federal recognized time that we're supposed to be recognizing military veterans in the workforce. So Mm -hmm. You had said that transition was really big on your heart to talk about that. So I thought, why not have you on the show? And we'll talk about military veterans transitioning from military to civilian and the workforce. So thank you for being on the show. Yeah. Happy to be here. Uh, Transition is definitely something that's near and dear to my heart. I had a really hard one. Um, You know, I was letting people kind of tell me what I was worth instead of naming my own price. So, yeah. Let's take it way back, right? So you were just getting out of the military. Did you think it was going to be easy to get a job or what were your thoughts? Actually, yeah. Um, I thought it would would be easy. And I because at the time when I was getting out, you were made to believe that all of these skill sets and all of this stuff was going to transfer over. And and some of them do, and the most valuable ones do. But the issue was uh we're never able to articulate it correctly and, and add the value to those skills to potential employers. So when employers would read my resume, they just saw military jargon. You know, I was putting things in there like, oh, I was a staff sergeant. People don't know what that means, you know? So um, I just didn't have that understanding of how to articulate that. And that led to some really bad interviews and some really bad jobs. Um, I just recently did a speech titled $13 an hour for the army, um, for the army national guard and, uh, air force conference here in Milwaukee. And the reason it was called $13 an hour is because when I got out of the military, I I went to a, a local grocery store for a job interview. And I was told that, um, my skills didn't equate to the $13 an hour they were offering. So, and this is somebody who's been in the military almost nine years. Um, I once had, you know, you know, 200 soldiers under my, under my command as a acting first sergeant for a rear detachment, you know, when I was on dwell time between deployments, but you know, so it, that just goes to show the, that it's not just the veterans that don't know how to articulate their skills, but then there's this gap of knowledge with the civilians as well. They have no idea what we learn in the military. TV projects us as people that just march around and, and carry guns. And that's, that's the farthest thing from the truth. That is really true. I'll kind of use this example. When I first met my husband before we were dating, I wasn't even interested in him, to be honest. It was like, whatever, you know. Um, But then 
we started talking because he was friends with my friend and he mentioned he was in the Marine Corps and I was like, okay, whatever, you know, I'm, I'm not even 21 years old yet. And I had no idea about anything military. And then he mentioned that he was in something called recon and he acted like that was a huge deal. And I just looked at him like he was insane. (laughs) Like, what is that? You know, I had no idea. Um, I had no idea about the jargon and the lingo that he was talking. So I started asking him a ton of questions and I started learning all about military and what that actually meant. Um, obviously those listening know that he ended up joining the military again. And our story is huge from there, but, um, just to goes to show you here I am. And I know so many things about military and transition and the acronyms, and I'm just a civilian person, but most people do not. That's a huge point, Dan. No, they, they really don't. Um, and this was, this has been a key issue in the professional environment, uh, for service members. Um, there's a lot of organizations that claim to be veteran friendly, but what they mean by that is they're willing to hire veterans at the lowest wage possible. Yes. And that is, that's almost an insult. Um, the last thing I said during my speech a couple of weekends ago was we're the backbone of this country and we're also the backbone of this economy. 11% of the uh, businesses in the United States are owned and operated by veterans. So that's a huge number comparatively, given that veterans are less than 1% of the population. So it's, it's, not, um, it's not uncommon for veterans to be undervalued in the workforce. Um, and the thing is, is these service members, they get out and they settle for that and they feel like that they're always going to be at a certain income level. And that's just not true. Mm-hmm. I cannot agree with you more. I was so furious a, a few weeks ago, actually, when you and I were talking, there was a military veteran and he had mentioned, you know, he, he kept getting jobs that were like a line cook and it was like $9 an hour. Did and that? He had, yep. Yeah. He has a family to feed or love home Depot. I do, but they're, they brag about hiring military veterans and their starting pay is 12 to $15 an hour. Yeah, that's cute. Thanks. You know, <laughs> exactly. Like, thank you for your service. Here's the same pay that a high schooler is going to get. And Ex- you just spent so much time in the military. Exactly. And well, a lot of employers are starting to see that um, service members, you know, it's, it's the either or now they're starting to see that experience does equate to sitting in the classroom, right? Everyone, everyone has this idea that you have to, especially veterans, they, they, they get out and they think they have to use their GI bill for something they may not be interested in. And then it ends up being, there's no return on the investment. So what happens is they'll spend four years, they'll blow their government GI bill, but they still can't find gainful employment. And the reason is, is because every time they talk about their service, they're not articulating it correctly. There is every single, at least E5, E6 could be mid-level management or upper management. And there's no reason why they couldn't be. Right. Yeah. And the civilians out there, you might see something on the resume. Like, um, I was at SSG, like people don't know what SSG was yeah, <laughs> okay, or, yeah, SSGT right. or SGT or <laughs> right. You could put us army in your experience, but then when you start talking about what you did in the U S army, you say, manage the team of, you have to use soft words like manage, you know, you can't use lead or commanded, um, that, that tends to be intimidating. Um, so you have to use, a, you have to use different framework when talking about your experience. 
Mm-hmm. And so what are you doing right now, Dan? So right now I am the co-director for the Veterans Business Outreach Center. I'm responsible for the state of Wisconsin and Minnesota. There's 22 different VBOX throughout the country. I oversee the Midwest region. So, And how on earth did you land that position? So you're getting out, transitioning, probably freaking out inside because you don't know what you're going to do next. How did you get from point A to point B? Uh, giant struggle bus. Uh, so it really all started when I decided to start my own business. So in a little bit of history, July, 2015, like I kind of had enough and I decided that I was going to take my own life. And then there was an intervention that took place. I got some, I got some professional help with the VA, the Milwaukee VA. We have a really good VA here. Um, so I can't speak for other VAs. We're not going to go down that rabbit hole, but, um, I ended up getting some help and then kind of determining, okay, what is my next step? I kept valuing myself on the uniform I wore yesterday instead of the best future in front of me. So I decided to kind of go back to square one. I took this little job at um, FedEx unloading boxes at night. And in the meantime, I was running a free fitness class for the community dedicated to veterans. So we'd all work out together at this gym. And I started an apparel company uh, and it was called 22 Fitness Apparel. And it was just the, it was just based off the free fitness class I was teaching. It took off. It did really, really well. And that snowballed into me overseeing a nonprofit called Live for the 22. And then I got uh, picked up by Goodwill Industries, the second largest nonprofit in the country to oversee uh, five of their operations. From there, I just you know transitioned out of that role, worked on my nonprofit, and then um, through my network of people, I found out about this uh, VBOT grant program that's out there. The, so then I I got hired on to to oversee that grant. So now, when a military veteran comes to you and is like, "Man, Dan, I'm really struggling. I don't know what's wrong with me. Why can't I find a job?" What's your response to them? Well, I, one, I try not to be like, oh, well, tell me, you know, what's wrong. I know what's wrong. Mm-hmm. There's three things that a lot of veterans and a lot of people when you're serving that you have, it's these three pillars, it's direction, purpose, and motivation. A lot of these individuals get out and they just don't have a direction. So the first thing I ask them is what do you want to do? That's like the key thing. Like, well, well what do you want to do? Because you'll get so lost in, I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to do this. No, no, no. What do you want to do? That's huge actually for anybody listening out there. Um, because I think that there's a lot of my listeners too, they may not have been military, um, but they're stuck in the grind and they're just stuck trying to figure out what kind of job can they find? How can they, um, make any kind of buck? But really, when you're passionate about something and you're a prime example, when you're passionate about your work, you're going to grow and you can create that business that you need. Right. Yep. It, you know, it's a it's a marathon. It's not a race. It's been it's been a half a decade that I've been at this and I'm still learning along the way and I'm still growing along the way. A lot of times we get caught up that I need success right now. Well, success isn't it isn't instant. You know what I mean? You're not making ramen here, right? You're making a gourmet meal. So you're going to have to take your time and be patient. 
Speaking of gourmet meals, how crazy is that lead in? Um, I noticed you've been barbecuing like crazy. Thanks a lot because now I have like a barbecue recipe in my kitchen. I probably should run it by you, but um, that's what's for dinner tonight here. Um, But your cooking looks so amazing. I think that I'm surprised your wife, first of all, doesn't weigh like a thousand pounds because it looks like you're cooking all the time. I, I do. I'm the cook in the house. So yeah. And, and you and your daughter are going to do some competitions in the barbecue world, correct? Yep. Yep. Yes, we are. So that's, you know, next step in life. I learned how to cook really. My, my dad is from Texas. So barbecue is life down there. And um, he taught me how to cook. The first thing I learned how to cook was biscuits and gravy. Um, I was eight, nine years old, something like that. And then he it it just turned into learning how to make the family recipes, barbecue sauce and so on and so forth. So I've been cooking my whole life. It's been my first passion. And when I got into the fitness industry, I had to give it up because I could not have a dad bod. Mm -hmm. But then, but then after my last fight in uh, 2019, I was like, you know what? I'm done. I'm done. Cause I never really liked the fitness industry. I just didn't. And let me tell you, Dan. So when I was stalking your profile, I was looking at all these pictures of you when you were fighting. So for those of you listening, he was a, a fighter also. Like, I swear, Dan, you've done practically everything out there. <laughs> um, I like to try everything. Life's too short. Um, boxing and mixed martial arts has always been my form, my favorite form of exercise. I've always been a trans, uh, you know, uh, um, a practitioner and I've been a, I coached. I did some competitions when I was in the military. It's always been a little bit of part of my life. And um, as I was kind of closing the chapter on Toy 2 Fitness and stuff, and I'm getting I'm getting older. So it was just like, you know what? I'm going to do this like final professional boxing match and raise a bunch of money and um, for charity. And then when that happened, it, it, that was it. And um, now I coach. I have a fight team that I coach. And so, yeah. well, I think that that fighting mentality definitely helped you get through the military transition part. Would you say so? Yeah, it did. It did. I think um, you have to have a little level of resilience and grit and self-awareness. And it, that you have to have those three things to, to step in the cage or step in the ring. You know, um, I look at it as I could have gave up but then I wouldn't have had like this awesome relationship with my daughters. I wouldn't be making briskets on Saturday, you know? So there's, Mm -hmm. there's always, I I always like to tell everyone your best futures in front of you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Can I ask how old you were when you started fighting? Oh, 20. My first competition was, well, I was a high school wrestler. Um, And then I dabbled in professional wrestling. And then uh, 2007. So I was in my 20s, 24. Okay. All right. So am I too old to get into it? No, no, you're never too old. I mean, I kind of think it might be a good sport for me to take up because I'm too scared to get hit. So I'll go really fast. (laughs) Yeah. You know, um, I have, I have a a student right now and she always closes her eyes and I'm like, you have to keep your eyes open. Wow. (laughs) So you'll be fine. (laughs) <laughs> I can just picture that right now. <laughs> yeah. She closes her eyes and she'll swat down. I'm like, no, you got to oh, use your no. jab. Use your jab. Oh but. man. 
So normally at the very beginning of the show, I ask all my listeners or my uh, guests to tell my listeners a little bit about themselves, but I kind of gave you an intro as far as you were in the military. You just told us that you were a wrestler in high school. So when you were younger, I am curious, did you plan on going into the military or what triggered that action? Um, it was old. So the military was always a little bit of a part of my life. Um, I had two grandparents that were, that both served. My father was an only child, so he didn't serve. Um, but on my mom's side, I had a couple of relatives that did. So military was always kind of hardly regarded in our household. Um, and you know, there's home videos of me wearing, you know, camouflage pants and, and boots, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. As I got older, like through my teen years, it wasn't that important to me. I just, I respected the military, so on and so forth, but I never had the idea that I was going to go in. I really thought that I was going to be a professional wrestler when I grew up. So, and 9-11 happened and all of me and I, I remember sitting in the classroom when it happened, the whole story and me and all my friends had made a pact to, to join the military together. We graduated about a year went by and nobody was joining the military. And they're like, oh, I don't know, there's like wars and stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you think is gonna happen ever now? So I um I was sitting at my computer, my mom told me to get milk, and I'm just like, what am I doing with my life? And you know, at 19, you're not supposed to be doing anything with your life. But mm-hmm. I decided to drive a little bit out farther and join the army and then grab the milk on the way home. And that's wow. how it happened. So were you deployed to combat? Yeah, I went to I went to two combat deployments uh to Iraq. Um and from January 2004 till January 2005. And then I went from May of 2007 to August of 2008. Okay. So question, a lot of my listeners who are veterans, they were in combat. Um, I've been working with combat disabled veterans now for about 14 Mm -hmm. years. And one of the biggest things that I hear a lot of is I'm a disabled veteran. I cannot work. I have post-traumatic stress. Yes, I understand it, but I think that you're a great example of somebody starting a business um, and you've been to combat, you know what it is. Do you have post-traumatic stress? I do. So I'm 90% service-connected for post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, For those of you who don't know what that means, the VA does an assessment of your physical and mental health and they give you a disability percentage rating. I'm 90% service-connected for post-traumatic stress disorder. I was wounded in action in uh, June of 2005. I had a couple of really bad deployments. I was an infantry guy. So, you know, we're always out there. It is what it is. I do suffer from PTSD. I do have a very physical response uh, and, and emotional response to, to bad memories. Um, I do live in a state of anxiety and paranoia and I'm medicated. And I'll openly admit that I'm a mental health advocate. Why wouldn't I be? And this is what I'm going to tell people. It is not the army's fault if you don't like where you work. That's, that's just that you can't blame post-traumatic stress disorder for every little thing in your life. And I know it's hard to hear, but I hear it all the time. You know, you make choices and the choices that you make may not be related to your post-traumatic stress disorder. So, and that's also, that's also feeding into negative stereotypes about the veteran community. You know, my wife will tell you, anybody will tell you that I still seek therapy to this day. Every two weeks I talk to a therapist, you know? Um, but the military and the experiences that I have in war were not at fault for me not applying myself. That wasn't their fault. It was my fault. I made a lot of poor choices that led up to me it being in a really bad spot. And I had to take a moment and self-reflect and self-assess 
and make the steps to continue to move forward and be better than I was in the person yesterday. Mm-hmm. You know, um, were you married to your, to your wife when you were deployed the entire time mm-hmm. she was pregnant with my daughter when she got the call that I got blown up and you know, she's been with me the whole time. So one thing that my husband often says, um, those listening who've been listeners for a long time, you know, um, my husband and I were married for a decade before he went to combat. And so I knew him very well before he, you know, went into the army, um, post nine 11, like yourself. Um, but one of the most interesting things that he has said over and over throughout the years is, to all, to his therapist and I'll go into some of his sessions is I would probably, and he half, you know, half joking. He's like, I'd probably be homicidal or suicidal if it wasn't for my spouse and my family and my kids, they keep me going. Um, is, do you find that your support at home is, um, has helped you? Yeah. For me as a person, as far as my prior service is concerned and, and, and Steph, my wife, she, like I said, we were high school sweethearts. She lived with me the whole time. So she's always been there. She's always been that conduit. My kids are like my life. And I never, even when I was going through my darkest of times, I never took it out on my family. I never, I never blamed them. They weren't the ones that sent me to Iraq. You know, I made the decision to join the military. And with knowing that I would go into combat, I picked a dangerous job. However, you don't know how you're going to respond to that later on in life. And for me, it was more of the identity crisis that I went through because I spent almost nine years in the service and I got out and I no longer knew who I was. And all I had was these terrible experiences. You know, my twenties were surrounded by war and death, (laughs) you know, like, so it was really hard. I, I was really sad about it. And then instead of doing something productive, I was being counterproductive and I was drinking a lot or what have you, mm-hmm. you know, I wasn't doing anything productive. And that's why I started, you know, 22 fitness. Mm-hmm. I had, I wanted to make new friends and build a network. Mm-hmm. Which I, I love and admire. And you do not know how many guys that I sent to lift for the 22 over the years, you've made a huge impact on their lives. And I cannot tell you, thank you enough. Um, you know, I was connected with somebody else from lift live for the 22 at one point. Um, and so then when I connected with you on Facebook, I was so happy to see that you were actually, um, you know, basically leading the group, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, that was, that was really cool. And I, I love doing that because I, I met so many vets that were just like me and they just needed like a little direction. Mm-hmm. You know, they would say that, Oh, I have PTSD. I don't know if I can get a job. Yes, you can. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, you can. Yes, you can work in the workforce. Don't let anybody tell you you can't. Just because just because you have a stress disorder, that doesn't make you less of a person. Right. And, you know, to be very completely transparent and honest, most people have some kind of anxiety or stress from their lives. And obviously nothing compared to combat. Nothing at all can compare to that in my eyes. I can't, I wouldn't even go there. But Um, the point that you've made is that you, you know, you can't blame your, your things that have happened to you. You can't keep holding on to those things or you're not going to move forward. Exactly. So one thing I was very excited to hear, Dan, is your, you've started your own podcast. I am so happy for you. Yeah. I, so that, um, 
So I really love whiskey, right? So I'm a bourbon guy. I collect it. I'm not like, it's not like I, I have nothing but full bottles in my house. All right. So I'm not like I'm drinking them all, but everyone always comes over and they want to talk about the whiskey that's in my house. So as you could see some of it behind me. Um, so I decided to do this little podcast where I share a, a drink with somebody and I just learn about them and we just talk about everything, just everything, just and I can give a little bit of um, you know my experience and and maybe help them along the way, or they can give me some of their wisdom and help me along the way. So it's just a fun little podcast, and you know we'll see we're, we'll see where it goes. I was a lot of my social media followers have always asked me to do a podcast, but I have such a Bill Burr sense of humor, so I'm worried how that's going to go. I think but- it's great. <laughs> um, I connected with you pretty quickly. I can't even remember how exactly we connected. Maybe it was because of lift for the 22. I don't know. Um, I think so. I was, um, I I don't know who sent who the friend request or whatever, but I've been following you for quite some time. So, yeah. And I think that your sense of humor is great, but what I like especially is that you're very raw and real. So, um, somebody just messaged me a couple of days ago on Snapchat and said, how are you always so positive? And I'm like, dude, I'm not always so positive. And I put it out there and you don't meet too many other people who will put all their stuff out there like yourself. Yeah. I I think, you know, if people meet you, they're going to have an expectation. So what what you see on social media is exactly what you get. Like there is, (laughs) there is no in between, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like, I don't pose for the, make it look like I'm doing something super cool. I'm actually doing that. You know what I mean? Oh, and by the way, I'll sit in my underwear and eat snacks like everybody else. You know? So, <laughs> Oh man. Well, Dan, I am really happy for you. I truly, truly am. And it's kind of neat that when I asked you to be on my podcast, it, it, it didn't line up for a couple of times. Like there were a couple of things that popped up where I couldn't record with you, mm-hmm. but now that we were able to record, I'm glad that we were able to wait because I can tell people about your podcasts and connect them with you. And if you're listening and you're a military veteran or a patriot of the USA, love the um, USA Americana. Dan definitely is somebody who you should listen to. He's not going to sugarcoat anything. And he's just real and raw, which I love and admire. I appreciate it, Patty. Thank you. And I, and I love your show. You're doing wonderful things. I can't believe you've been doing it for this long. That takes an incredible amount of dedication and um, and thanks for empowering the the community as well. I think that's really that's really great what you do. Thank you. How can people find you on social media? Uh, you can find me uh, Coach Dan MKE on Instagram, um, and then just type in Dan Newberry on Facebook, and you'll find me. I'm not hard to find, but yeah, and I appreciate all the support throughout the years. We live for the 22. Um, it's just, it's just been a wild ride and I'm continuing to see what the future holds. If I could say one more thing, uh, veterans, they're about to get into the workforce. Look, you guys are incredibly valuable. As I've said before, you're the backbone of this country. You're the backbone of this economy. If it wasn't for the, for the people that served and people that served before me, we wouldn't have, uh, everything that we have in this country. So, and thank you from the bottom of my heart. Yes. And those of you listening out there, if you're a business owner, I highly suggest that you contact Dan to ask him to speak at one of your events. He does do public speaking kind of like me, you know, you don't plan on getting into that field, but it just rolls in sometimes. (laughs) It does. Yeah. I think that Dan would be phenomenal. It will help you as an employer, learn how to effectively employ great military veterans. And then it also will help your veteran employees learn how to be better employees. 
Thank you, Patty. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you all for listening until next Friday. I'm Patty Catter. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out my store, thepatrioticmermaid.com and have an amazing rest of your week. Thank you for listening to Wake Up with Patty Catter. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. Follow Patty at Patty Catter on Facebook and Instagram. Get social. You can now watch Wake Up with Patty Catter on Amazon TV and Roku. It's the only podcast I listen to. Be sure to check out Patty's apparel line, The Patriotic Mermaid at thepatrioticmermaid.com and on social media at The Patriotic Mermaid. I love it.